Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, I am very excited because we are starting a brand new series today called Jesus Is. You know, I think there are a lot of people in the world who have a lot to say about Jesus. And there are, in fact, many different things that Jesus has been called. And I I put some of them on the screen here. Some things that are commonly called, that people call Jesus. Some people call him Savior. Some people call Jesus the Son of God. Others have called him just a good man. You know, he's a good person. He is a prophet. Uh, Many consider that. They say he was a peaceful person, a peacemaker, like a Gandhi type of an individual. Others said he was a lunatic. That he was crazy, that Jesus had absolutely, like, he was just off his rocker. Others said that he was a liar. Jesus is nothing but a liar. Others have said he's a magician. I actually heard that once. Someone said, I think that Jesus was some kind of a magician at one point. And then others have called him a warmonger, that his words have done nothing but to start wars over history. And I think there's a lot of confusion in our world about who Jesus is. I mean, the Bible paints a very clear picture of who Jesus is and who he was and who he still is today. And so we wanted to create a sermon series that is exploring this person. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I could really use some, some teaching on who Jesus is. I mean, there are so many things that we could teach about, about who Jesus is, that could not possibly fit into even four uh, you know, messages uh, in a series, let alone even, we could spend an entire year talking about the different aspects of Jesus. And so, but in this specific series, Jesus is, we want to just tackle four very broad and yet specific um, topics about who Jesus is. So this week, we're talking about Jesus is personal. He's a personal individual. We also, next week, we're talking about Jesus is justice. That means that he cares about all the problems that are going on in our world. And he doesn't want us to just sit there and, and talk about them. But Jesus actually cares enough to want to do something about the world's problems. The, le- the week after that, our third week is called Jesus is God and human. That talks about the divinity of Jesus, that he, in fact, was fully human and fully God. So we're going to tackle that subject. And that in its own right is actually a, sort of a hot topic right now. There's a lot of people who, who don't believe that Jesus was divine. And so we're going to tackle that subject in week three. And then the last week is, is that Jesus is forgiveness. I mean, that's, that's probably the greatest thing that everybody knows about who he is. But, um, but I think unless you understand the first three weeks, you're not going to fully understand the concept of forgiveness until you understand the rest of it. So, but today we talk about personal. Jesus is personal. Well, what does it mean to be personal with someone? What does it mean to have a personal relationship with someone? Can I have a personal relationship with God or with Jesus? Is that even possible? I mean, I, I, let's start with maybe just what a personal relationship is. I have a very close-knit family. My brother and my sister, I have a very personal relationship with them. My brother and my sister know me probably better than I know myself oftentimes. The same goes true with my wife, Heather. I, I have such a, a deeply rooted and intimate relationship with my brother and my sister and with my wife that they can speak things into me. They know when I'm off kilter. They know when I'm not in the right frame of mind. They also know what I like. They know what I'm passionate about. They can buy me the best birthday gifts or Christmas presents because they know who I am as a person. 
there's a, just an intimacy of who we are together. I can be comfortable with them, in the room with them. I can say things to them that I would never say to anyone else. I'm, there's just a, a comfort and a closeness that comes with my brother, with my sister, with my wife, you know? I mean, you, you, you can experience this, right? In your own life, we have family members that maybe you would say, I, I have a very close a personal relationship with. Maybe, maybe it's a, a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, someone that you just you are just so so close with and that you feel comfortable enough to, to feel like I can just be myself in your presence. I don't have to play games. I don't have to be anybody else that I'm or pretend to be anyone else. Maybe it's a best friend or or a mentor. Maybe maybe it's a military individual. Like there's a bond, and I was trying to think of the right word, and the only word that came, my, came to my mind was brother in arms. It's like this, there's people that you, when you're in the military, you've gone through experiences together, and if there's anyone here in the, in the military who has been in the military, you know what I'm talking about. There's a bond that comes from, from being in battle together, or from, from going through, and it might not even just be the military. It could be any time you go through something harrowing or stressful, it can build a bond with that person, and and that can help to, to foster a depth of a relationship, a personal relationship. But that's all well and good, but a personal relationship with God? Like, can I actually have that kind of an intimacy with my creator, with the person of God? Because I thought that God was holy, right? I mean, you'd say, I, you might say to yourself, I thought God was holy. I thought that, that he was sort of like this, this far-off being who was to be revered. I mean, maybe your experience has been with cathedrals. Maybe that's what you think of where God lives. God lives in cathedrals. He lives in expansive buildings that are beautifully crafted. I was just in one last night. We went to a wedding of a friend of ours, uh, two friends of ours. It was such a, a beautiful day. And, and they, they got married in, in a memorial chapel on, a, on, I think it was Westminster College up in New Wilmington. And it was a gorgeous, gorgeous building. You know, high cathedral ceilings, stained glass windows, you know, there were church pews, there was, there was art on the wall of, of, you know, different, you know, saints. And you may be familiar with this. If you've grown up in a Catholic environment or maybe Presbyterian or Episcopal, maybe some more traditional um, t- type of churches, you're familiar with this idea of these grand buildings. You know, I mean, they're some of the most beautiful buildings in the world are, are Catholic cathedrals. Notre, Notre Dame in, in Paris is an example of these, these amazingly beautiful places. Oftentimes, they're quiet, and they're, they're, they're not very full anymore. And maybe if you go to these places, or maybe your upbringing is you've gone to cathedrals and, you know, or, or to, to Catholic churches and, or to some of these places, and you feel like God is to be revered. God is holy. Like, God is not my best friend. God's not right next to me. You know, maybe that's what you've grown up with. Maybe you've had experiences with, with pastors or priests who are distant. They, you're like, I see God working in your life because you're a minister of the gospel, but I don't feel like that has relevance to me in my life because it just, I feel like you're, you're distant. You don't make yourself personal in that way. And so maybe your idea of God comes from, from that. Maybe you just have a picture of God being impersonal in general and that he's far off. Maybe you've never really felt like God has made much of a difference in your life, that I've cried out to him before and I felt like he never made the impact in my life in the situation that I needed. Maybe you thought he was just uncaring about your specific life. 
You know, it's interesting. There was a, a band in the 80s um, called Depeche Mode. Any of you ever heard of Depeche Mode? So I, I love 80s music. And while I was writing my message today, I, I, I just had this moment where I thought of this. They wrote a song called Personal Jesus. And we have the lyrics on the screen here. And these are the lyrics of their song. It says, reach out and touch faith. Your own personal Jesus, someone to hear your prayers, someone who cares. Your own personal Jesus, someone to hear your prayers, someone who's there. You know, I think that despite whatever Depeche Mode might have been trying to say or poke fun at, perhaps, in this, in this song, I think they were on to something that they didn't really, um, didn't really understand. There was a truth there that they couldn't have imagined, and that is that God knows each one of us intimately, that Jesus is personal and that he wants to interact with you personally today. Well, how do I know this? That's a good question. You might say, well, Jared, how do you know this? Well, as always, I turn to Scripture. I believe that God's Word is truth. It has impacted my life. And so if you have a Bible with you today, I encourage you to pull it out to Psalm, the book of Psalms. This is, Psalms is beautiful. It's, it's, it's writings, a collection of poems and songs that were written by David and a couple other individuals. Just heartfelt cries. This prayer wall here is littered with what I would consider to be similar to psalms. These are just people who have written things that are in their heart and they want to express them to God. Their prayers on paper, their songs, their poems, they're just expressions of the heart. And so David was writing a psalm in Psalm 139. If you have a Bible or a tablet or a smartphone, pull that out and go to one, uh, verse, or chapter 139 in Psalms. And in, we have your notes in the, in the program as well. If you want to follow along with us, if you have a pen, you can follow along. And this is what it says in verses 1 through 5 in Psalm 139. It's just beautiful. It says, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. That doesn't sound impersonal. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. And then he skips, skip ahead to verse 13. You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. The wording here is very personal. It's knit together. You know, he... Like the intricate, delicate parts. Not just like I just threw paint on a canvas. It's like handcrafted. Verse 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. I mean, right there, he, he talks about that God knows everything about us. And then he doesn't even stop there. He goes to another level. And he says, how precious are your thoughts about me. It's not enough that God created us. He thinks about you all the time. They cannot be numbered. His thoughts cannot be numbered. I can't even count them, he says. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. I mean, that's a God who is personal. That is a God who cares about you. That is a God who knows you enough 
that he has thoughts about you. He's thinking about you. He sees what you're going through. When you struggle, he's weeping up in heaven with you. He knows what it's like, just like when my kids are hurting. I know, I feel their pain. That's the same thing that God has up in heaven, where Jesus is sitting there feeling this with you. And that brings us to our main idea of the day, and that's this. It's that with Jesus, it's not business, it's personal. You guys have heard this before. You know, it's like, look, it's not personal, it's just business, right? You hear business people say that whenever they got to make a hard decision. Well, Jesus flips it on his head, and he says, with me, it's not business, it's personal. This religion, this faith, this concept of Christianity, this, this whole idea of submitting your life over to God, And living a life of fulfillment, it's not business. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about, you know, saying the right things or doing the right things. It's about being personal with a God who cares about you, a God who loves you. It's personal. How personal? This is right in the very beginning. It says, how precious are your thoughts about me? They cannot be numbered. I mean, if any of you have ever been in love, you know what I'm talking about. It's this feeling of, Like, I can't stop thinking about this person. Like, my thoughts are filled with with just overwhelming how much I love them. I love their face. I love love her smell. I love love spending time with her. You know, I think about my wife. You know, if I'm away and I go to conferences and I'm away for a few days, I find myself missing her a lot. And I think about her, you know. Have you you ever been in that position if you're married or you have a, a significant other or someone special in your life. You know what I'm talking about. That's what God has for you. It's not, it's not like necessarily romantic, but it says, how wonderful are your thoughts? How precious are the thoughts for me? They overwhelm me. They outnumber the grains of sand and the beach. If you've ever been to a beach, that's a lot of sand. I mean, Jesus thinks about you and loves you. How precious are your thoughts? So I thought we'd put together a few thoughts today on what it is, what it means to be personal with Jesus. And there are three things that being personal with Jesus brings. And the first is this, it's awareness. There's an awareness that comes when you're personal with Jesus. Verses one through five talks about it. It says, you know everything about me. You know everywhere I'm gonna go. My days are numbered, like in your book, I know everything. Jesus knows there's an awareness. That means he sees you. He sees the situation that you're in right now. He sees the pain you're going through. He sees the frustrations you have. He sees your financial difficulties. He sees the good things. He sees the joy, the new baby that you had. He sees sees your prayers. He hears them. Jesus is sitting in heaven, and he's just saying, I just want to know you. I want to know you personally. He's like, I know everything about you, but you don't know enough about me. Spend some time with me. Get to know me. Have an awareness of who I am. And you'll notice as we go through this that each of these sort of has a flip. It's like God has an awareness of you, but he wants you to be equally aware of him in your life. Be aware. Being personal with Jesus brings an awareness. And I was listening to a conference, uh, the Exponential Conference this week there down in Tampa, Florida. I was watching online on the live cast. I'm so grateful for technology. And I can't go to these conferences sometimes. And so I was able to, to just get on my computer at home and be able to watch some of the sessions. And one gentleman was teaching. His name was Dave Gibbons. And I've never actually heard him before. And he said something just powerful that struck me. And it's perfect for this. In the Bible, there was a woman who was the Samaritan woman. Many of you know her as the woman at the well. 
where Jesus came to the well and was going to get a drink. And then the story of, you know, where, where the woman gives him water. And he says, give me some water. He says, I will give you water that you will never be thirsty again, right? So this is Jesus talking to this woman, you know, and, and he finds out. She offers up to him that, you know, she has slept with many men. And, and Jesus tells her that, you know, like that he is everything that she needs. That he does, she doesn't need to find fulfillment in, in all these other men and everything. And Dave Gibbons said, he, he said this, he said, many men knew the body of the Samaritan woman, but Jesus was the first to know her soul. Think about that for a second. Many men knew the body of the Samaritan woman, but only Jesus was the one to look into her eyes and was aware of her soul, knew who she was. That's an awareness. Jesus doesn't see the problems first. He knows they're there. He's not dumb. Like, he's not blind. Jesus knows what's going through your life. He knows you. Maybe you're the Samaritan woman. Maybe you, in this moment now, are saying, I identify with that woman because of how I've given my body to men or to women. Maybe that's you today. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is aware of you. Not the fact that you have given your body away, but he knows your soul. He sees your soul. He sees who you are at your innermost being. He knows you. He loves you. He is aware of who you are, what you've done, and what you can be. He is aware of you. Jesus is aware of you. Being personal with Jesus brings an awareness. Number two is being personal with Jesus brings guidance. Verses 13 through 18 said that you saw me before I was born. Every single day was recorded, every moment of my life. Well, think about that. If God sees what's going to happen to you when you leave this building today, if God sees what's going to happen to you two years from now, God knows what's happening. Christ is aware of what is going on in your life. Nothing catches him by surprise. And he has the ability to guide you through it. If we would just listen, this has been an instrumental uh, piece of wisdom that has really just struck me over the past you know, few years. I, I remember having a meeting with a pastor at the church that I was a part of before we planted Encounter. And Pastor Jack Thomas, great man of God, spiritual father to me, I, I was sitting down with him telling him that I didn't want to be his youth pastor anymore. I remember wrestling with it. I moved to Pittsburgh from Cincinnati, Ohio to help start Lifestone, and I came on staff to be his youth pastor, a student ministries pastor. And almost as soon as I got here, I felt like God was saying, that's not what I brought you here for. And I was wrestling with it. I was afraid. I, I don't know what to do. I, I felt like, am I even supposed to be in the ministry anymore? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was terrified. And so I set up a meeting with Pastor Jack, and we went out and got some food. And I remember sitting at the table with him and telling him, just pouring out my heart, I was ready to leave the church if he asked me to step down. That's I. I felt like I had to be willing to do that if I was going to follow God because I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I sat down and I told him. I said, Pastor, Pastor Jack, I just have to be honest with you. God has been wrestling in my heart, and I feel like God is moving me away from student ministries. I, I just feel like that's not what I'm called to do anymore. And I'm so sorry that I came here. That's what you had me come to be a part of this church and be that. And he said, well, okay. Well, what do you feel like God is saying? To you, And that led another conversation. And I said, how, how can you sit here and I just, I mean, you're starting a church like we just launched two months ago, you know? That's, what, that's where we are right now is Encounter Church. If one of my leaders came to me and said to me, you know, if I didn't have this pearl of wisdom, if one of my leaders came to me and said, I, I have to go, 
I would have been like terrified. I would have been like, what am I going to do? Like, God, I, you called me to plant this church and, and change lives. And one of the critical pieces that we needed is, is, is changing in their mind or you're calling them to a different thing. And Pastor Jack said to me, he said, Jared, I have incredible faith in God because he saw this day coming. It didn't take him by surprise. Jesus knew that I was going to sit at the table and drop this bomb on him. But because he was aware, because Pastor Jack knew that God was aware of everything that was going to happen, he had faith in God enough to know that because God knew it was going to happen, that he was going to provide an answer for it. That's guidance. So how does this apply to us? In our lives, every day, when we have decisions to make, when we have, have situations that come up, if we would just invite Christ to, to intersect in our lives and say, God, I know that you have numbered my days. I know that every moment of my life was written in your book. That's what the scripture says. I believe that. Every moment has been written in your book that this moment did not surprise you. And you know exactly what's coming next. You know how to get us out of the situation. If you invite him into that, he will give you guidance to move beyond it. So being personal with Jesus not only brings awareness of who you are and awareness of God, it also brings guidance in our life. And the last thing is acceptance. Acceptance. Being personal with Jesus brings acceptance. And you don't have to turn to the scripture, but Romans chapter 8, it's on the screen. Verses 15 through 17, it's, it's really a beautiful passage. It says this. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So right there, the writer, this is Paul, the apostle, writing the book of Romans. Right here, and he says, stop. Not only is God aware of you, not only will he guide you, but he accepts you. Stop being afraid of everything. You don't need to be afraid of God. There is a healthy fear, reverence, holiness of God. Of course. He said, but he did not give you a, a, a a spirit of fear. Instead, he continues, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Now, on the screen, we have underlined certain, certain aspects of the scripture that I want to kind of unpack real quick here. The first is where it says adopted you as his own children. The word adopted there literally means to make one's own with full rights. Now, if I adopt someone, I am saying you are now my son, you are now my daughter, and I will treat you exactly like my own flesh and blood. You are adopted. So not only does God have an awareness of us, so when we're personal with Jesus, we have an awareness of who he is and he's aware of us. Not only does he guide us, not only can we allow him to guide our lives, but he accepts us. There is acceptance that comes no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter where you think, no matter what is wrong in your life, no matter what mistakes you have made, there is acceptance. And then it says, it says, we were adopted as his own. It says, now we call him Abba, Father. The word Abba is a word that means childlike intimacy and trust. This is just like my kids. Like I mentioned, sometimes I go away on conferences or trips, and one of the best feelings that I've ever had in my life are when I walk in the door and my daughter Autumn runs to me and goes, Daddy! And she jumps up and like kind of, you know, hugs me and wraps her arms and legs around me and I hold her there and I haven't seen her in a few days. And she just, she's crying out. 
Daddy. Abba is that word. It just means it's a childlike intimacy and trust. It's, it's a, I, I, I'm with you and I'm just, I, I'm wrapping my arms around you. I need you. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. You are, you are the source of what I need, right? So when the scripture now says, it says, we were adopted as his own children and now we call him Abba, Father. So what you see there is this is not a picture of impersonal. This is a picture of a God who, who has said, come home, my child. I love you. And now it's like, I don't even want you. It's like, it's like those, like the in-laws when you get married and they say, you know, don't call me Barb or Susan, call me mom. Or don't call me John or Jack, call me dad. It's an acceptance of personal relationship. Verse 16, it says, for his spirit joins with ours to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Heir. That's not a word we hear very often in our kind of modern context. I I often think of the word heir like an heir to the throne, like in medieval days, you know, a king, sort of like royalty. Sometimes we hear heir to, like, with, with highly rich individuals, you know, that's an heiress of you know, this family who just makes a ton of money, you know, an heir. The word heir, we, we know what the definition is, but there are two different frames of thought in the time that this was written. Under Jewish law, a, an adopted individual would receive only a portion of the inheritance, okay? So under Jewish law, what would happen is, is that the blood, the flesh and blood of firstborn, the actual sons and daughters of the, of the, the father and mother, they would receive what's called a double portion of inheritance. So when they passed on or whatever was their families would go primarily to the flesh and blood. And if anyone was adopted, they would get kind of the leftovers, whatever was left. But in this book of Romans... In the book of Romans, Paul was writing to Roman citizens, Roman Christians, the people in the city of Rome. And under Roman law, when you were adopted, you were adopted into full and equal inheriting rights. Paul is saying in this scripture that along with Christ, as Christians, we are accepted and adopted as full sons and daughters. We are children of God, and every right that Jesus has, we have. That's powerful. That means that every authority that Jesus has, we have. The ability to command out sickness. The ability to believe for greater things in our lives. To know that God has, he is for us and that he is not against us. To know that we can conquer any situation. All of those things come because of our adoption into the family of God. And because of who Jesus Christ is for us, we are brothers and sisters along with him. We are co-heirs and not just the leftovers that God has. We are full family members in the kingdom of God. That is exciting news. We are accepted. There is nothing that you can do. And there's another scripture that says, neither heights nor depths nor, nor, nor no powers in heaven or on earth, nor the sea, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's amazing. That is powerful stuff. And if we could just live our lives, knowing who we are, knowing that God has an intimate and personal awareness of our lives, that he will guide us in and out of every situation, over the mountains, through the valleys, into the darkest of caves. He will always be with us. But most importantly, that he accepts us. He accepts us. Most of us go through our lives 
go through our lives just trying to fit in, just trying to feel like we belong to something, that we belong to someone. We search. If any of you are single, you know what I'm talking about, this feeling of I need to belong with someone. I need a mate. I need somebody to be with me. And it doesn't stop after you're married. So if you are single and you're wanting to get married, it doesn't stop there. Marriage is not the end of the situation for you. You will always be crying out for belonging. And the reason for that is because we were meant, we were created, we were designed to be into a relationship with our creator. So when God goes out of his way in scripture to teach us that that he knows everything about us, it's not in like a creeper sense of the way, like God's stalking you on Facebook. It's like, it's that God cares about you, just like I know what's going on with my kids. I know what's happening in their life. I sit down with them, and I talk with them, and I ask them what's going on. Sometimes we'll just lay on the bed, and, and we'll just talk. Sometimes we'll get into tickle fights, and, you know, or I'll wrestle with my son. Like, it's in those moments that I grow closest to my kids, and they grow closer to me. So there's there's this idea. They know, they're, 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 my kids know that their dad is aware of them. They know that when they walk in the door, they don't have to say, I'm home. I know that they're there because I know that the clock is doing I'm watching the clock when I'm sitting at home. My daughter should be walking in the door. That's awareness. That's the same kind of awareness that Christ has for us. You know, knowing Jesus personally and allowing him to lead your life can change everything. It can change everything. Imagine if you were to invite Christ into your marriage. What would that be like if you invited Jesus Christ into your marriage? I was at a wedding last night, and, and they said that several times, you know, when, when the best man or the maid of honor was giving a speech. And they would say, Mike and Katie, when I look at you guys, I can see that Jesus is at the center of your relationship. Is Jesus at the center of your marriage? Do you, do you invite Jesus into your marriage? How, how, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? How can I lay down my life? What does that mean? Jesus laid his life down for us. So the very fact that if we invite Jesus into our marriage, that means I need to lay my life down for my spouse. But he'll give you wisdom to do that. What if we invited Jesus into the tough decisions that we have to make at work? That's how he can become personal. You think, you know, okay, Jesus is personal. He knows me, but he wants to make it personal with you. Your finances, how do you spend your money? Make it personal. Jesus, where do I spend my money? And, what, and I believe this. Where you spend your money is where you value things. That's what you, what you spend your money on shows your value. You say, I value, I value my relationship with Jesus, and I value, you know, working in God's kingdom. But if you never spend a single cent on God's kingdom, then that's not a value of yours. Finances. Your relationship with your kids, your life's decisions and your goals. This is big. Oftentimes we set goals for our lives without even ever considering what God wants for our lives. And then we spend years having to get back to the beginning because we went in a direction we were never even meant to go in. Doubts and fears and your identity, the image of who you are, of yourself, all of these things can be dramatically transformed in your life and in my life, if we would just recognize that Jesus is not only personal, but that he wants to be personally involved in our lives. So here's my challenge for the day. It's this. It's make it personal with Jesus. Make it personal with him. How can we do that? There's three things I kind of explored here. Was Number one is decide 
to explore the idea of Jesus being personal to you. If you look, uh, I think over here on, on our banner, we have explore faith. It's one of our core elements of who we are as a church is this idea of exploring. We want to give everyone an opportunity to, to move at their own pace and allow God to speak to them. And so we want to challenge you today. Decide to explore the idea of Jesus being personal to you. I understand. If you have come from a background to where, where the church has been more knowledge than experience, this could be potentially frightening or or make you feel a little uncomfortable. Like maybe you say, I, th- I hear what you're saying, Jared, and I think I even agree with what you're saying. The Bible clearly says what, it, what we just read. I believe it, but it's a new thing for me. Just explore that. What would it look like in your life if Jesus was personal and was personally involved in your life? And so when you decide to explore it, you're just saying, God, I'm willing to try this out. The next thing is to pick one area of your life. Pick one. And I encourage you to write this down so you can write it down. And in a moment, we're going to have a response time. It's going to be a little bit different today. I want you to think about this. Pray over one area. Pick one area of your life and invite Jesus to guide that area. Just one. You're like, I don't know if I'm ready to like, you know, let God revolutionize everything that I've got going on in my life. So pick one thing. One thing that comes to your heart. What is that one thing? And invite Jesus to guide it. And then pray Each day this week, commit to this. Commit to pray each day this week that Jesus would show himself as personal to you. What if Jesus became personal to our friends? What if he became personal to our family members? What if he became personal to our coworkers or to strangers that we meet? What if? What would our communities be like? What would our lives be like? What would... What would, what, would, what would it just, how could, how could we be changed? How, could, how would the, the problems of our world, what would, what would happen to them if Jesus became a reality and was personal life? Come on! Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving options. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.